Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We are getting set to be joined by the great Hall of Famer, Mike Tirico, the voice of Sunday Night Football. He has the Cowboys-Eagles call. What are we going to talk about? We're playing in the commercial break, and Choppy goes right to golf and horse racing for Tirico. I know you're dying to talk about the golf. Go ahead. Uh, The USGA changed the golf rules to where they're rolling back the golf ball, so you lose 9 to 11 yards. No golf. Rolling back. They're like, going to gonna make new golf balls. They're going to change the whatever inside the golf ball. The compression, all that crap. Uh, newsflash. And first of all, they're saying that us, we, the recreational golfer, have to follow these rules in 2030. I don't follow your rules. When I'm playing nine holes on a Tuesday, I'm not what following are they ins- the lateral hazard out of bounds rule to a tee. What, are they going to inspect your bag? Yeah, who, exactly. How they're are gonna they going to... They think that we're all playing in a tournament with every foursome that we're in, <laughs> but that you're going to bust out the rule book. If somebody busts out the rule book on me yeah. on the fifth hole, I'm going to look at that. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the They're golf not course. They're going to inspect your golf ball. They're not. I'm, I'm, I am hoarding. Dick Sporting Goods, get ready. And I am stocking up on current golf balls. And then horse racing. Uh, the Belmont's got uh, two-year reno, and I guess they're going to go to Saratoga for the uh, for the third leg, which i got to put an asterisk on that if they're not going a mile and a half. On a triple crown. So there you go, Mike Tirico. Bet you didn't think we'd start off with golf and horse racing on the home of the Cowboys this morning. Good morning. You, you guys got a couple other of uh, of my loves and and my job descriptions. If you want to throw an Olympics question in there too, let's go. We can we, we can do all four. So, so let me just tell you this: with Saratoga, for the for the few people who might be horse racing fans, I'm, it's disappointing that it's a mile and a quarter because if one of the horses happens to win the first two legs. It'll be a triple crown that will not be seen in the light of the others for sure. But by going a mile and a quarter, I bet you they attract a much better field. Yeah. So I think this is a little mm-hmm. bit, not just the logistics, but also try to get a better race on the, on the, on the track that weekend. What about golf trying to bring back the distances? Yeah. yeah I, I, I heard what you guys were saying. Um, it, here's the problem with golf. While you may not worry about the rules on the fifth hole. Right. And that's fine. Go enjoy the game. There are a ton of amateurs who do, right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you guys know guys who are members of clubs who play in events, who are true hardcore golfers. And then you have the world-class amateurs and then you have the pros. So you try to get one set of rules for a whole bunch of people. So it's really, really hard to do. I think that by the time this rollback happens, the technology in the golf clubs will catch up enough that it's not going to impact the pros. I think they're going to be hitting it as far 10 years from now as they are right now. Right. 
just the technology shift is going to change. And I think they're just trying to hold the line so guys aren't hitting drives 400 yards because that'll make most of the golf courses out there obsolete. For most of us who play, honestly, guys, this doesn't impact us a bit. So afford <laughs> away if you'd like, or just save your money and get the new golf balls in five years. <laughs> Are you planning on having your usual sit down earlier in the week uh, or the day before the game with Mike McCarthy after the appendix uh, appendix surgery yesterday? I, I'm, I'm sure it'll be health permitting. I don't know where Mike will be health-wise either Friday or Saturday uh, when we get over to see the Cowboys at the star. Um, you know, those, those are those, um, you know, things that happen to pop up during the week. You're like, Oh, that, that wasn't expected. We'll have to adjust. I'll tell you, we did the weirdest production meeting I've ever done in 17, 18 years of doing NFL games and 25 years of doing football games. When Geno Smith got hurt for Seattle, we had the Thanksgiving game. We, we did our production meeting, which was their request. We didn't care. We did our production meeting with Geno while he was getting treatment on the table in the quarterback's room. And like, there's this guy just like beating the heck out of his elbow, um, you know, with this procedure to get blood flow down to the elbow. And we're like, Gino, you okay? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah man. I'm, I'm all right. Go ahead. Ask away. Ask away. I'm like, I felt really uncomfortable doing it, to be honest. But uh, I, I'm sure we'll connect with Mike at some point, if not Friday, then Saturday, assuming his health is good. And I, the reports I saw yesterday were that everything went okay, and I hope that's the case. Mike, give us your impressions of Sirianni when you sit down with him. Obviously, we can't stand him. Uh, his an- <laughs> his antics, his face drives us insane. <laughs> I, we think he's a good coach, but he's just freaking annoying. Well, what's he like when you sit down with him? Oh, he's he's direct. He's direct and aggressive and honest, and you know, there's not a lot of gray area, and that's fine. That's perfect. That's that's what you like with a coach, right? I, he's one of those guys that. And we've seen them in That's all sports, right? Uh, you hate them when they're on the other side, but if they were your guy, you'd love them, right? But those, are, those are the characters in sports. Think of, like, Rick Mahorn and Bill Lambeer when the bad boys were around for the NBA with the Pistons, right? Like, mm-hmm. man, I can't stand those guys. But in Detroit, where I live, those guys are freaking legends, right? <laughs> those guys represent the best of an era of basketball. Um, so that's what Sirianni is. He's unapologetically aggressive. Um, his team plays that way, and you love that. When your team plays to the personality of your head coach, then you know you're doing everything in the same direction. It may not work all the time, but at least you're rowing the boat the same, in the same direction. That's what they have in Philly. So the last time uh, – we're talking with Mike Tirico from Sunday Night Football. The last time you guys got a chance to see the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football was – Probably the lowest point of the season for the Cowboys. That was that road game against the 49ers where they got absolutely drubbed. There were a lot of questions. Since that point, they have been a completely different team. Dak has been a completely different quarterback. What kind of differences are you seeing in this football team since you guys last saw them against the 49ers? Look, the offense has gotten better, right? They're they're rolling. There's, there's great – everything that Mike and Dak talked about when we were there for the Giants game, uh, or we were in New York for the Giants game, we came down to see the Cowboys on that Friday before the game and then headed up to New York. Um, everything they talked about and the vision for the season, we're seeing offensively a crispness, um, the timing patterns in the receiving game, moving the ball around to different different threats, you know, and Cooks looks good. Uh, get, getting the other guys involved a bit more Tolbert and Turpin in, in, in the game, Ferguson emerging in his second year as a legit, really good, solid tight end. Uh, so you're seeing all of that 
play out. So this is the vision they had, and they're executing it. You know, I, I don't want to be the guy who's doing you know, the hot take headlines on morning TV that just it's the same stuff over and over and over. But you cannot help but look at the quality of competition and say, look, don't, don't for one second think Dallas isn't a very good team. They are a very good team. But a lot of the success has been against some of the worst teams in the league, right? We know that. The Giants, the New York teams, New England, L.A., that's a half dozen of their wins are against those six teams, if you include the Chargers and the Rams. And so there are teams that they've beaten that we know aren't very good, right? Although the Rams are starting to look okay. So seeing it against Seattle was encouraging. Now let's see if we see it the rest of the season as the schedule gets meteor down the stretch here. What sports television, what sports talk TV or radio do you take in? None. None. <laughs> no, no, no. Let, let, let me take that back. Let me take that back. I, I will listen to sports talk in every market I get into. Um, living in Detroit, I'll put it on during the day when I'm in the car just listening. I don't particularly watch the morning the morning talk shows very much because it, there's one purpose and one purpose only. It's ratings driven, right? And I, I, I've been around this enough that I know what I think and I have my opinions. I don't need my opinions formed by a debate on who's the MVP in week five of the season, which is the stupidest conversation alive, right? <laughs> you know, uh, Carson Wentz would be the MVP of the league if we went by those shows that had debates for 12 weeks of who's the MVP in October. This is the time of year. We're three quarters of the way through the season. Now you start winnowing the field down, right? And so the, the debates just to get eyeballs or clicks, they don't wow me. Intelligent sports conversation, pulse of a city. Like you guys give the pulse of the city. The guys on sports radio in Philly, you get the pulse of the fans and the city and the hot topics and that stuff, right? There's, there's, a, there's a certain level of this is the real conversation as opposed to, hey, let's grab for a headline. Let's talk about the Cowboys this or that that we see just way too much of so i just i just invest my time better in other things in life mike Tarico on the boomer jacks bar and grill hotline we'll have the sunday night call uh joining us here on 105 through the fan i just wanted to ask you an overall question there's a lot of attention for tom brady talking about the quality of play we're talking about uh having a hard time with the mvp race with the heisman figuring out the team's the the overall discussion mike of football quality being down your thought on that Yeah, no, it's a good question, and I've thought about this a little bit. So let me just take the NFL, because I think the NFL and the college conversations are two really super different. If you ever wanted to go go down that college road at some point, call me anytime. We we could have that conversation. I'm very passionate about where it's gone and where it's going, the the totality of the sport. Um, But the NFL stuff, I'm going to point to this. You know, Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Eli Manning, Tom Brady – Peyton Manning, those guys, right? Uh, you know, Joe Flacco when he was playing really well, and now obviously he's resurfaced with Cleveland. I'm talking like a half dozen guys. You know what? Every time they played, you got a good game. Their teams were good, right? I think the level of quarterback play, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, has gone down a bit. And I look at the middle class of the quarterbacks. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I look at the middle class of the quarterbacks, and I see them missing. And I think that's the problem. When you have great quarterbacks, you get these great games. We've had so many injuries and so many young guys trying to figure it out in the league, year two, year three, new system, that I think the overall quality of the quarterback play has dropped. And what I don't understand is that we've got more teams than ever throwing the ball in college football. 
and everybody's brother and their kid plays seven on seven. I got this quarterback over here who plays seven on seven. He's the best thrower of the ball I've seen in 30 years. So why are we not seeing that translate from seven on seven to high school to college to the NFL? I don't know what the exact answer is. I got some theories, but I think that's why the general quality of play has come down a little bit from what we saw maybe five, seven, eight years ago. I, I don't know if you guys think the quality's down. I think it's a notch down from where it was, say, in 2017, 2018. Yeah. Yep, uh, I agree. You, you, you brought up college. Um, what What was your take on the Final Four? Did they get it right? No, they got it wrong. To, to me, they got it wrong. So, so you, here's what wasn't asked of the, of the committee, which drove me nuts. What theory did you use to say to yourselves that the Florida State backup quarterback, not the third guy, who played in the ACC championship game because the backup quarterback had a concussion. What theory did you use to extrapolate the fact that he will not improve in his second game as the starter from the first game after he went on the road to Florida and his team won the game? What, 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 what did you see or know about his ability to lead you to believe that they can't be that good? Because their, their defense is excellent. Nobody will – Nobody will give you any qualms about that. That's what I don't like about the system. They made an assumption that, yeah, Florida State's offense isn't good because Jordan Travis is out, which is correct. And I know that's one of the parts of the criteria set up. But how do you know that that quarterback with three weeks, 15 more practices, and played okay on the road in that first start at Florida, how do you know he's not going to play better week two and have a Cardale Jones-type game, right? Now, do I think he's going to? No. Do I know that for a fact? Absolutely not. So I think that they put themselves in a box of an unanswerable solution. When you win all the games on the field during the year and you've played two SEC teams, how do you tell those guys it's not good enough? This system died the way it should have died. An <laughs> utter failure. It was one of the worst things ever created in sports. If the if, Let's say there are five of us guys, right? If the five of us decide, hey, let's get in business and we'll split the profits four ways. That's the dumbest business plan in the history of the world. And that's what the people who run college sports set up with this college football playoff. It was stupid from the start. It was done horrifically. It died the way it should have died in disgrace and embarrassment. That doesn't mean Texas isn't good or Bama is not good. Or how did Georgia go from number one to not even in the mix because they lost by a field goal to a good team on a neutral field? Really? <laughs> the system was so stupid that it was impossible to manage – with any sort of authority and decision-making that you could stand up behind. So and I told you, don't get me started on college football. I love the sport. <laughs> I love the sport. The fact that nobody's running it right now is screwing it up beyond belief. The sport is going to have 30 to 35 teams playing in one group, and then they're going to lose out on all the other power five schools for being able to play at the highest level. And that in turn is going to do damage to the sport. What makes the NFL great? The fact that Carolina is a one-win team right now, and they could be a playoff team next year. Houston, which was supposed to stink this year, they're right in the mix for the playoffs, and they're playing exciting ball. Everybody's fan base stays engaged all the way through. You're going to take about half the fan base of college football and tell them, you know what, the team you love in your backyard can never win, so don't bother paying attention. That's stupid business. And that's what college football is doing. We love having you on to talk about absolutely everything. Can't wait for the next time. Have a great call Sunday. We'll be watching. Thank you, Mike. I'm angry at you guys. You got me in my college football <laughs> mode. Now I'm angry for the rest of the day. Well, I play, I you can co-host with us. You can co-host with us the rest of the show if you want. <laughs>
<laughs> you got guys have a great day. We're looking forward to seeing everybody down there this weekend. Thank you, Mike. Mike Tarico, Cowboys, Eagles with Collinsworth Sunday on NBC and Peacock. What did Dirk see? Could could Dirk even see this coming with Luca and what he did last night? And Bobby heard a former Maverick spilling some Dallas Luca beans. We'll play it for you. Then Babe Laufenberg next. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, uh, the point I said before the game, you know, we just can't f- around and uh, we just, oh, s***. Love it. Luca with the quadruple double. He went 40, 11, and 10, and two curse words in the postgame on Bally as the Mavericks destroy the Utah Jazz. Good morning, Metroplex. Sean Sharif, RJ Choppy, and Roberto Belt, our Cowboys insider. The show of Wales will continue with Babe Laufenberg at 8.40, SMU head coach Rhett Lashley at 9, Patrick Walker with a Mike McCarthy health update at 9.20. We just had on Mike Tarico to talk about golf. We got a breaking news golf contract? Uh, we do. Uh, I didn't know the... I thought the Live Tour was dead. I hit Live. I, I thought the Live Tour was dead. I hit, I hit Live. <laughs> yeah. I think I would throw up if I tried to do that. I hit Live. I hit Live. I hit Live is right up there with Tuba Toothpaste. Those are my favorites <laughs> this year. Uh, but according to the Wall Street Journal and the Telegraph, the Daily Telegraph, they're reporting that John Rom is joining Liv this week. The contract is for more than $500 million. Mm. Show for, him money. For reference, if every PGA Tour event this year was winner take all, each person is like 13 to $20 million-ish, $25 million if you get the U.S. Open. If all of them were winner take all and he won every single one, it still wouldn't add up to $500 million. Wow. Mm. And that's the thing. And that's what makes live attractive is it's a money grab. And let's be fair. It's a, $500 million. I mean, you, you morally could do more. They, they, he could probably justify morally. Hey, I could do more good with 500 million than without it. Um, and you're, you're taking blood money and it is, it's, it's terrible money, but to these guys, they're it's, it's money grab, man. It's hard to say no to. And John Ron, I don't know. The PGA tour has a, there's a point where they can't recover from losing all these guys. Kepka, DJ, Phil, Reed, Rum. There's going to come a point where they can't keep up. But I thought that's the thing. Like, what? What is that? Like you just said, I, I thought Liv was dead. Like, how are they? Eventually, if this is a merger, how are they really losing them? Why is the Piff willing to spend five hundred right. million or whatever for something that's going away? 
Honestly, I have no idea. Like, this makes no sense because, like, if this is really going to go away and just fade into Bolivia, as Mike Tyson would say, hmm. uh, why are they spending this kind of money just to get John Rom for a year? They're not going to do that. I, I, I don't know, man. Like, this makes me wonder if the PGA Tour is the one that's not going away. Back to Luca. He moves past Larry Bird to number nine on the all-time triple doubles list. Uh, he had the highest scoring first half triple double in NBA history. He had 29, 10, and 10 at halftime with six threes as Headband Luca made his first appearance. And Dirk sat down with the All the Smoke podcast and they just asked him, like, dude, this made me feel better about my evaluation of Luca because I was dead wrong. RJ and Bassick were correct and right. And me and Dirk were wrong on what we thought he was going to be. My, my end of career wasn't pretty. You know, we were struggling. There was uh, some talk of tanking going on, and we, we needed a little spark plug to, to, to change things. I didn't think there was going to be this kid. Uh, I didn't think <laughs> it was going to be this kid. When he walked in the first time here in this practice facility, you know, he looked at he's sick. He's a big boy, but I'm like, uh, I'm not sure this is going to work. Is he quick enough? Is he athletic enough to go by guys like he is in Europe? And so there were there were plenty of doubts there from from everybody on the team. And you know how you meet already before training camp starts. Uh, you know, you meet a month before and you hoop every day and you work out together. And you can already see that you know, this kid's got something about him. He's got that mm-hmm. swag. He knows how to play. He was he was getting with some N one mixtape passes out of nowhere. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he was he was flashing some of the the, the talent. So we were we were we were thinking, man, he's he's going to be a really good player. Mm. But uh, I didn't think he was going to go to that level. <laughs> I mean, he's the, my role with him. I guess we're we're friends. We're we're cool. We're you know, when I'm town, we go to dinners or whatever. A mentor would be a little strong because he mm-hmm. he doesn't really need me. I mean, he's he's as you guys see, he's he plays like a 32 year old veteran. So that's Dirk Audio. Bobby this morning got in extra early. For Christoph's Porzingis audio and props to Tolo Andrew, who just sent us the same thing. Man, I guess December 6th is Christoph's Porzingis weighs in on the Mavericks day because I was trying to find comments that he had made about Luca last year, and he made them on December 6th in an interview with Yahoo, and this interview with J.J. Redick dropped yesterday on December 6th. So last year, Porzingis was asked about Hey, why why didn't the uh, you know the pairing with Luca that, that was supposed to be going on for a decade? What happened there? He said on paper it would be the perfect fit, but it just didn't mesh the way we wanted to. We just did not mesh well together. Sometimes it's like that in the workplace, you know. It just didn't work out the way you expected. Luca is a generational talent. You have the per- you have to put the perfect team around him to get the maximum out of him. I just wasn't the right guy, and so that's pretty much the most extensive comments he's given about Luca since he's left here until he sat down with J.J. Redick on the Old Man and the Three podcast. And J.J. Redick was obviously a teammate with Luca and Kristaps Porzingis for a couple months when he was here in Dallas. And J.J. Redick just asked Kristaps flat out, he's like, did you and Luca clash? Um, Early on, for sure. Yeah. Early on, for sure. But uh, I think we both tried to, to make it work, you know? It's just... Uh, I think communication, like maturity, communication on both of our parts uh, should have been better. So that was not satisfying to J.J. Redick. <laughs> and look, that, there's some stuff there. He basically says we were both immature and there were communication problems. He was a little reflective about it. But J.J. Redick was obviously there and witnessed some of it. And so he's like, OK, all right. If, if you're just going to say, well, you know, it just didn't work out. 
I'll go ahead and I'll point to an example of I've seen the tension. So JJ Reddick recalls a story right there to Christoph Porzingis. We were playing a game in Memphis and uh, Rick called a timeout and Luca sat down. We had the five seats on the floor and Luca sat down on one of the seats and was he doing the Luca thing, you know, that he does where he's mumbling a bunch of words and it's clearly out of anger. We don't, we don't really know what he's saying, but he's, you know, saying things and Rick takes him out of the game and, and Luca reacts or whatever. He's now like 10 feet away. And he's, <laughs> Rick was like, would you guys stop, stop being babies? <laughs> and you go, why don't you tell Luca to stop being a baby? And Rick goes, Hey Luca, stop being a baby. <laughs> and I was like, okay. All right. Yeah, I like yeah, it. There's yeah. something there. There's something there. And wow. Porzingis got very uncomfortable. There was just like, <laughs> and like, just he, did, <laughs> he did not want to talk about it anymore. So he had moved on for, I think we all assumed this though, when they were here, that there was just some natural tension there. All right. We were, we were yeah. keeping track of high fives. High fives. We had a high five scoreboard on whether they did or didn't during games. You know, it's weird. I am not like the biggest NBA fan, but you're the, kidding. The <laughs> Luca KP failure of a relationship really hurts me more than it should. Like, I really wanted that to work. I, I, I really, I really did because I thought, like, man, you got it. You got two guys like that are just unicorns of types of talent. Yeah. That you know you were able to steal for basically not a whole lot in getting Porzingis, and if he ever reaches his ceiling, because I'll never forget, like I, I saw him at the, in, in Vegas Summer League. He well, went up and got a ball on an alley oop that I, I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure LeBron could have got. It was it was it was over the backboard, and he went and got this thing. I, I've never seen some white dude jump like that before, and some lanky seven three guy either. Uh, and I was like, man, if this guy ever reaches his potential, and I, I mean, he's had he's had flashes since he left. He's he, nineteen and eight for life. That's which what is he great. Is. Oh, that's fantastic. You would sign up for that tomorrow. Yeah, but or in, your two. Yeah, but in New York, we thought this was going to be twenty six. Like, yeah, we thought it was going to be thought, number one. We thought it was going to be MVP. Yeah, we thought it was going to be number one. I mean. That's uh, the type of ability he has. Absolutely. And now now post-injury, maybe not. But, I mean, if you were to tell me that your number two is going to get you 19 and 8, I mean, there's a lot of teams that sign up for, for that. Yeah. Now, maybe a two and a half. Yeah. But, like, you know, like, yeah. two and a half. You, you know, your number two, I mean, your number one's not scoring 34 a night. He's scoring 28 a night. You know, is your number two going to score 26? But, I, I mean, mean, that's great. But we thought he was a one. Well, more than yes. that. Not, not when the trade happened in New York. It's like in this guy's a franchise yeah. player. More, yeah, more than just a want. Like the comparisons were everywhere when he came out that rookie year. Of people were like, "This is Dirk. This is the next Dirk. More this athletic the, Dirk. Yeah, like this is going to be this will this will be the guy to take the torch from Dirk, and he's going to be this new generation seven footer. He'll be right there with Durant shooting. I do wonder because he had really peaked right before that ACL injury, and I wonder how much the ACL derailed him. Now they did have one more clip. Do you want to play that one? Yeah, they did have one more clip where J.J. Reddick had asked him, hey, look, like, you know, injuries were obviously a big part of this, but what is the reason that things ultimately did not work out with the Mavericks? Beyond just the health, like, what, why, why do you think that it didn't work in Dallas? I mean, it seems like you're in a, you're in a place of self-reflection yeah, yeah, where yeah. you are now in your yeah, career. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a big mix of things, you know? It's a big mix of things. Um, maturity, for sure. You know, I, like, again, I'm talking about what I could have done better. And then I wasn't that much into analytics and numbers. Like if somebody, I think, at that stage of my career presented it to me the right way and said, 
you know, this is what we need to do. This is what we need from you. This is, you're going to be way more effective doing this. Like kind of explain it to me better. I think that would have made a difference a little bit. I don't know. It feels like that's a possible shot at Carlisle. Uh, Cause that was the big thing at the end. It was like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here in the corner like Chris Bosch in Miami yeah. or Kevin Love and just shoot threes. I'm an athlete. I'm a freak. I can post. I can drive. I can dunk. And as, you know, Carlisle famously said, and TNT replayed it nonstop, you know, analytics, the best way to use yeah. Porzingis, threes over twos. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, his worst three-point shooting year of his career uh, just happened to be here. <laughs> All right? Like, he never shot. By 7% worse. He's a career 36. I mean, 8% worse, really. He's yeah. a career 36% guy uh, that – season you're talking about he was 28 28 percent his field goal percentage uh is at 55 percent right now he's a career 45 and a half they're doing something with him in boston but he's scoring less he's scoring less he's, sco- he's scoring year. four points a game less than last year he's he, at 19 last year was 23 and then the year before that in washington his you know the the the, the second half of the year post trade deadline he was at 22. Now, obviously, they had – it was just him and Bradley Beal. Right, and now they have a super team, and he's taking three less shots a game. He's the third option behind, uh, you know, Tatum and Brown, but – And you have uh, Holiday. Yes. But, like, this is um, – he's look, he's a good player, and, I mean, there, there's a reason why the Celtics are in a good spot. I, I think more than a shot at Rick, I think that was a shot at old Vegas Bob. Yeah. And that whole analytics. But I th- he clearly sounded like – the analytics weren't the problem, but you had a messenger there who could – probably the shot is at Carlisle there. That's the com- the communication part is Carlisle, and the analytics is probably old Bob. But that – I mean, it's sad. He sounds like he's he's reflective and knows he was immature while he was here. Headband Luca striking last night for the first time with 40-11-10 in three quarters in the destruction of the Utah Jazz. Babe Laufenberg previews the Eagles. Babe stops by for the weekly visit and trivia next on the Home of the Cowboys with Sean, RJ, and Bobby. It is time for our weekly visit with Babe Laufenberg, Cowboys color analyst, brought to you by Johnson Fitness and Wellness Home Fitness Equipment Stores here on Sean, RJ, and Bobby, your home of America's team, Cowboys, Eagles, Sunday night on this radio station as Mike McCarthy is supposed to still be on the sidelines after the appendix procedure yesterday. Babe Laufenberg going to be, uh, excuse me, uh, Brad Sham going to be joining Babe Laufenberg this Sunday, Mr. Laufenberg? You know, that's what I understand. I think we've got two guys uh, on the injury list for Sunday as questionable, and that'd be McCarthy and Brad Sham. <laughs> and if you gave me my choice between the two, you know, Dan Quinn can run things on the Cowboys' <laughs> side, okay? <laughs> hey, before we get to my trivia today, I've got trivia for you. Who is about to embark on a reign of terror for about the next 18 years in about six or seven months? That would be Sean Sharif. Sean, congratulations <laughs> on the baby girl. <laughs> oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. You still wrote me the uh, – the nicest handwritten note when my son was born, so I still remember that. Well, Brad sent me a bottle of tequila, I think. Oh, oh, he, oh, that just up the ante on me. Yeah, okay. so tequila and a letter, please. I'm going to think of what I can do. I, I'll <laughs> never forget. Really quickly, I had a friend. He had two, you know, attractive daughters, teenage, maybe early twenties, and he was a good old boy, right? He said, "They and I have two boys, right?" And he said, "Baby, you got to understand something." He said. <laughs> 
you got boys. You're on offense. I got girls. We're on defense. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm hoping mine's ugly. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. Wow. <laughs> okay, keep, keep that clip. Okay, right. ready for trivia? Thank you. Yes. Okay. There are two NFL, two coaches in the NFL history, two coaches in NFL history have lost four playoff games to the same team. Only two. Can you name them? Ooh. Uh, four playoff games to the same team. To the same team. Tom Landry and Don Shula. Wow. Was I wrong? You, you got one. Oh. Okay. Let me see if let me see if, uh, right. me see if my trivia expert Peyton can get it. Peyton, we want to guess. We want to guess. I'm gonna guess it's. Oh, a, okay. I, I was gonna guess it's Mike McCarthy, is one of them. I'm gonna guess Madden or a Raiders Steelers tie tie in. Either of those correct? I don't know. Let me ask Peyton. Peyton. <sighs> RJ and Bobby were correct. It is Tom Landry and Mike McCarthy. Tom Landry lost four against the Rams, but he also had four wins no. in the playoffs as well. They faced, faced eight times. And McCarthy to San Fran. San Fran. Well done. About to be a fifth. What? What's? How many has he won against San Fran? Uh, in, in the playoffs? Yeah, zero. Zero. zero, none. Zero. Yeah. Mm. On four. <laughs> Not good. 0.0. 0 that Not man's good. L. Not good. Uh, <laughs> is that amazing, though, that Tom Landry had played the Rams eight times in the playoffs? I know he coached 29 years, but. Eight times. Eight times. Okay. Let's roll. All right. Thank well you, done. Peyton. Thank you. <laughs> Babe Laufenberg, Boomer Jacks Bar and Grill Hotline. How is Philadelphia different in studying them this week from the first matchup? I think the biggest difference is going to be. Jalen Hurts is going to have the ability to run. You know, he had a banged-up knee when they played the Cowboys. They, so, really, the all the zone read stuff and the RPOs, he wasn't going to keep the ball on uh, on all the zone reads. He, he never kept it once. Now, he ended up running because he had quarterback snakes and some scrambles. So, if you looked at the rushing numbers, but he wasn't a threat to run in that game, as he had not been in the couple of previous games going into that one. But now, he, he does have – the ability to run. The knee appears to be getting better. Obviously, nobody ever says anything about it, but just judged or based on how they're using him, he will be a factor in this game running the ball, which he was not in that first game. All right, well, babe, a lot of other people are saying that he still looks compromised physically. You're not necessarily seeing that with the way he's moving no. around. Yeah, again, I, I but in, in the Dallas game, yeah, there was no way he was running the ball. They mm -hmm. are running him a little bit now, so – Again, no player ever says, well, my knee's at about 80%. And I can... <laughs> so we don't know exactly how much he's compromised. And he is compromised, but they, they do run him now. And so that, that'll be a little bit more of a factor. And it's not just him running. It's the, that first game, you know, when, when you're sitting there in the zone read, you, didn't, you just disregarded him because yeah. he was not going to keep the ball. So not only you have more guys to the ball carrier, uh, because he's taken out of the equation. Now you got to take that guy, make sure you know he doesn't ride and keep it, try to get the edge. Is he throwing it around and seeing the field as well as you expected when you turned on the tape? You know, it's all it's all up and down, and game by game. And obviously, San Francisco, you know. <laughs> but the, the amazing thing about that San Francisco game: Forty ers first two drives were three and out. At the end of the first quarter. They had the ball for two minutes out of the 15, <laughs> and they had minus six yards of total offense. Now, I'm not a better, 
uh, and I know you can probably bet throughout the game, right, at any point. If you had sat there in the first quarter, when that first quarter ended and said, oh, gosh, San Francisco is going to boat race these people, <laughs> you would have said, what, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. But after that, obviously, they go on six straight uh, touchdown possessions, and uh, they were impressive. You, you know, you mentioned that he's kind of been up and down with his reads and such. Does, does, does that kind of lead you to believe we may have a Deron Bland recovery game? <laughs> well, no, because when you look at uh, when you look at who they have on the outside, uh, I don't know that you want to get healthy against AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and these guys. Uh, you know, they're obviously good at, at the receiver position. Looks like they'll get Dallas Dallas Goddard back um, after Cowboys broke his arm in the last game. And uh, mm-hmm. but no, I, I don't look at facing AJ Brown and, and Devontae Smith and saying, okay, we're going to get healthy this week. And make no mistake about it. I mean, Hurts is a very good quarterback. I mean, he's, he, he, I, I love it because, you know, all the MVP talk, right? It's going to be Dak versus Jalen. And Dak, by the way, the two games head-to-head, uh, Dak has completed 71% of his passes. He's had six touchdowns, no interceptions. So he, I, I think he's up for the challenge. Talking with Babe Laufenberg here on 105 Through the Fan. Babe, when you look at, you know, the the stretch, it's, it's not been very long since Dallas played the Eagles. It was just four weeks ago. And yet these it does feel like a a two very different teams at this point. Dallas has continued to roll. They've really found a rhythm on offense. Philadelphia has, you know, they've only lost one game since then, but it felt at times like Dallas outplayed them in that game. They it seemed like they got outplayed by Kansas City and Buffalo and then San Francisco. Do you think right now Dallas is taking the field on Sunday as the better football team? I think there's no question, Bobby. I really do. Um, and, and when you look at that Cowboys game, Cowboys had over 100 yards of offense more than, you know, they held Philadelphia under 300. They had just slightly over 400. And, you know, it, it, like a lot of these NFL games, you know, Prescott throws it to Schoonmaker. It's a touchdown on fourth down, and then it's not a touchdown. <laughs> which was the correct call. But, I mean, you're six distance away from scoring there. The two-point conversion, Dak steps out of bounds. That would have changed things, obviously. On the last drive, they would just need a field goal. And, again, if you told me they're going to go on the road to Philadelphia, have the ball at the six-yard line on with first down, I would have said four shots in the end zone, they're going to hit one of them. And then we all know what happened there. But Philadelphia, too, you know, their defense is just it's not just not good. It's almost terrible. <laughs> they're, they're the worst in the NFL on third down defense. And, and Bobby, to your point about getting a little lucky, Philadelphia, they, they've been outgained by 100 yards in each of their last five games. And, and mm-hmm. you're not going to win a lot of games getting outgained by 100 yards. And trailing at halftime, like every game. <laughs> yeah. And, babe, when you when we talk about the way that Dak has kind of, you know, attacked the middle of the field and, and the susceptibility that – Philly seems to have in the secondary right now and the way they've been outgained is the next point here as we, as we look to find how Dallas stacks, stacks up against the rest of the NFC contenders is this the measuring stick game it seems on paper or is this like no you know what because Dallas is so far ahead of them at this point this still isn't even the test for us to be able to tell what their contender status is yeah I would agree with that I don't think Philadelphia was the test or will be the test this Sunday that they were in that first week. I think Philadelphia was playing a lot better at that time. And clearly the, the only test that you have to take, you know, the toughie, the final that you want to stay away from in college is San Francisco. Mm. 
I mean, they they crushed Dallas, they crushed Philadelphia, and crushed Philadelphia on the road. I mean, I don't know what the heck happened in those three games that they lost three in a row after Dallas. Um, I mean, we know Debo Samuel was out, Trent Williams, but the, I don't know what happened. But the, the, the two games that I've seen him up close and personal now <laughs> against Dallas and, and, and Philadelphia, uh, I don't know who's going to beat him right now. So it's clear they've separated themselves from the rest of the pack? I think no question. And, um, gosh, you got to go back to the early 90s. There was a point where the Cowboys could not get by Philadelphia. I mean, they feared Philadelphia. I mean, I don't mean from a physical, I'm going to get hurt standpoint, but it was just they had no answers for Philly. And they finally beat them in 92, the first year they went to the Super Bowl. And uh, that, that kind of changed everything in that matchup. And, and that has it's going to happen for San Francisco and Dallas. I don't know when, but right now, I don't think anybody would go into that San Francisco game uh, in the playoffs feeling good about the way the Cowboys have operated against them in the last three games those two teams have played. And they've all been recent, so it's not I – don't, I don't put a lot of stock into, hey, seven years ago. Just seven years ago, 90% of the guys on the team weren't on the team. But – a lot of guys are here from those three games, uh, you know, the two playoff, and then obviously this year in the regular season where there's got to be some doubt in your mind that we can go out and beat San Francisco. Babe Laufenberg on the Boomer Jacks Bar and Grill Hotline. Did Mike Tirico uh, stir up some uh, some memories for you out on the track? Oh, let me just say, love Tirico. He is so good. And uh, But, yes, yeah, so he obviously the Belmont going to Saratoga, and uh, – I went to Saratoga with Bill Parcells. I did an interview. Well, yes. After he, after he left there, uh, I went up there to his house in Saratoga, and uh, we we did an interview at his house. Brett Kelly from CBS Eleven and uh, me, and we go and went to the house, did the interview, then we went out to Saratoga and continued the interview out there. And uh, the place is like magical. Mm-hmm. I mean, RJ, you say you you your grandfather took you there all the time, RJ. I, yeah, I was I was born about like thirty miles away from there, and we would go there in the summertime, basically every weekend. It was it was it's a magical place. Magical is the best word. Yeah, just what you want to do with your grandchild, right? Yep. Why don't we go down <laughs> teaching and the ropes? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was great. They it, and it, it just, you feel like you're you're in a time warp. You really do. You feel like it's it's nineteen fifty. The nothing has changed there. It's that red and white. It's a lot of people are going to get a chance to see it when the Belmont goes there, and uh, what a fantastic place! It was great too because Parcells up there, he was like the Godfather, coach, coach, you know. And, <laughs> and he he turned to me at one point. We're walking in. He's got his program, and he said, "They love me up here." <laughs> and I want to say, well, they, they, they like you probably better up here than they do at Dallas. I <laughs> fantastic, yeah, hey, yeah. You know, it was great though. I'm not I'm not a big gambler, but so I would bet, you know. $20 on a raise. I just bet whatever he bet. I say, coach, I'm betting with you. I know nothing about horses. So we're about three races into it. And I said, uh, coach, you know, I, I told you, I really don't know anything about horse racing, but I said, is it, are the tracks different? He said, what are you talking about? I said, do they pay for like fourth and fifth and sixth here at Saratoga? Cause that's where our horses are coming in. <laughs> <laughs> and you, oh, you know, of course that went over real big with bill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of those guys. Fantastic. So I stayed out of the next. Stayed out of the next race. His horse that he picked won, and of course, 
he, he could not rub it in anymore. And not, right, and not share the winnings with you. Awesome, as always, Babe Laufenberg here on Sean and RJ every Thursday. Thank you, sir. Brought to you by Johnson Fitness and Wellness. Johnson Fitness and Wellness Home Fitness Equipment Stores. The head coach of the AAC Champions, SMU's Rhett Lashley. Back on Sean and RJ next. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future, in vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.